Have I told you what a great guest you are in studio and how awesome you make recording? <laughs> I have so much editing to do because of your... <laughs> I'm just giving you... While you were folding episode 16, How We Did Disney with Young Kids. Hi, I'm Catherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things, marriage, parenting, faith, friendship, culture, what I'm reading and watching, and whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been a wife for 10 years and a mother for eight. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will introduce you to some amazing guests, ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of this day, for the gift of a nice week at home. Thank you for the gift of the Sabbath and the opportunity just to rest and reconnect and help ourselves to get the week off to a good start after a great morning started with Mass and with our parish family. And just thank you for all the blessings that you continue to bestow upon us. Please help us to continue to open our ears and our hearts to whatever it is you're asking of us this week and help us to lean on you when we're finding things to be difficult. Tonight, we challenged our family to work on sacrifice and offering things up when things are difficult. So help all of us to try and do that this week and to lean on you when things are difficult. We pray this through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so today, listeners, we have a special treat. I have my husband, Philip, here in studio, and he's joining me for our episode talking about how we did Disney with young kids. But before we get to the main topic, we're going to just give a weekly recap of what's been going on around here. So starting things off, first of all, Philip, you want to say hi to everybody? Hello. Uh, we, this last week we had our weekly meeting with our God teens. We meet with them on Wednesday nights and you might remember from a previous episode, our God teens come over Wednesday evenings once a week and we talk about a mix of faith-based topics and some fun topics. And since we're approaching the end of their senior year of high school, the last few meetings that they're going to have with us. We thought that it would be nice to do just a fun field trip with them. So we went to an escape room here in town. And this was actually actually the second time that we've done that with them. The first time, was that right before Christmas? Yeah. Um, So kind of a funny story. The first time we went, they had some sort of a technological problem with the way the room was operating. And we weren't getting the clues sent to us in the... They were like broken, like some of the clues weren't working, so we weren't making progress. So they ended up giving us some gift cards so that we could come back and do it again for free. And so we did that this last week with our God teens. And how would you say it went? We we made it. We escaped. They give you an hour to get out of the room, and each room has a different theme. And then you have to solve these different clues to get to the next step to figure out how to get out of the room. So describe for the listeners how we started. So for this room, um, the theme was related to a murder trial. And so we started off being handcuffed together, like in a human chain, and then blindfolded and then brought into this like jail cell-like room. And we had to figure out how to get our blindfolds off and then find the handcuff keys and then work through a bunch of clues that led us through three different rooms to eventually escape. And we made it with like four minutes to spare. Yeah. And the lady who was in charge of this place, she was feeding us clues all along when we were getting stuck. So if she hadn't given us some clues, we probably definitely (laughs) would not have escaped in time. Some of them were, I think, way too difficult for someone to piece together what these random clues were supposed to mean. But yeah, anyway, it, apparently it's the 
the most difficult room that they have. So we made it out with four minutes to spare. So a win's a win. So I think the God teens had a great time. And Philip and I have been with these students since they were freshmen in high school. But we've found that they've responded really well. It's a pretty small group, but they've responded really well to us trying to keep it a mix of both faith-based topics and fun topics because it seems like having that variety has helped them to open up and trust us and feel like they're more comfortable around us. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, I think that that's made a big difference, not just doing all faith stuff, but we play games and have social time each meeting too. So that has helped um, bring us closer and see both the faith-based and fun-based side of us. Yeah. Um, so we are approaching the end of God Teens, and we have just two more home meetings with them before we finish out our time with our God Teens. And today, on Sunday, when we're recording this, this afternoon, Philip had an opportunity to attend and lead the father-son meeting. Now, this happens both in the fall and the spring, right? Correct. They have a program. The diocese puts this on. There is a program for both fathers and sons, and then there's another one for mothers and daughters. And since Jane is eight years old, we have not attended the mother-daughter talk yet. But Philip, what would you say the point of these days are? It's mostly to open up the conversation between father and son about puberty and all the changes that guys go through and also to talk about um, being virtuous and a good leader amongst your friends and to make good choices um, as far as um, your sexuality and chastity and um, all of the temptations of our modern world. So because this is something that's put on from the diocese, obviously this is something that is presented through the lens of the Catholic faith. Who were the various presenters that were there today? There was myself, and I kind of just did like the biology puberty part of it. There was um, a priest who's in charge of the family life office um, and uh, a father of nine who kind of was the MC and led most of the discussion on being virtuous. And his son, who's a sophomore at Pius, also talked about peer pressure and what these young teens will come across as they get older. And how many fathers and sons were in attendance today? There were like 25 sons and about 25 fathers as well. And so. you said the sons were what ages? What was the range? I think it's like fourth grade to ninth grade. So like age nine to 14. Okay. And uh, why do you think it's valuable for fathers and sons to not just attend something like this, but to attend it together? I look at it, looked at it as a good chance to open the conversation and give both the father and the son some vocabulary and talking points because it's a tricky subject that uh, a lot of sons and dads struggle to bring up and discuss on a regular basis. And so this was a good opportunity to just open that up. So it was a really good afternoon. I was impressed with the turnout and it was nice to be able to help dads start that conversation and open up a dialogue between dad and son about not only puberty and everything that goes along with that, but about how to lead a chaste life as a husband and a teenager and um, to hopefully get more people to come to our next discussion in the fall. Well, I'm proud of you for doing that. I know it's not always an easy topic for fathers and stunt fathers and sons to open the conversation, but I think it's a neat way for them to attend this event together and also for the mothers and daughters to attend the event that the diocese puts on for them just to get the conversation going from that young age. And hopefully they will have already been talking about the gift of their sexuality and how boys and girls are created differently and all of those things from the beginning so that it's not as daunting of a conversation by the time the child enters into the junior high puberty years. But I like, um, as your wife, I, I've always appreciated your unique perspective, not just 
as a pediatrician and being recently new with your training and being up to date on what the research and the science is saying with all of these different things, but also to approach all of it through the lens of faith. I think that's part of the conversation that maybe we're missing some of the time that there aren't that many voices that have an MD and have your medical experience and expertise that can contribute to the conversation. So I think that that's really unique and I hope that you'll continue to share that and hopefully I can get you to come back on the podcast because I think it's important. I think we need to have experts in all of the different fields contributing through their particular lens, through the lens of faith to add to the conversation. So thanks for doing that today. I'm sure you took a burden off of the dad's shoulders by doing that. Okay, so we had a kind of a big milestone for our family today. This afternoon, we decided we were going to play some games with the kids. And this was inspired because our first grader, Walt, recently, he came home and he said that he's been playing the card game War a lot with his classmates. And I remember playing War for hours and hours with my brothers. And we would have honest to goodness, four hour long games because the game wouldn't end until someone had the entire deck of cards. (laughs) Um, So as a mom, I'm thrilled that our kids are getting old enough to play games like these to keep them occupied. But today, after playing War before lunch, we were getting out some of the other board games and I suggested revisiting Paw Patrol Uno. I think the last time we had actually gotten it out and played it was probably couple of years ago. Two Christmases ago, someone had gotten it in their stocking and then it did not go well. No. <laughs> at all. Most games don't go that well at our house. We have some sore losers. Yeah, explain what usually happens when we play any sort of game with the kids. Similar to playing any game with your family. <laughs> oh, whoa! Things big, are getting personal. A lot of big personalities that come out and um, things get a little bit heated. It's usually our second born who doesn't like to lose or have anything not go his way. And so he immediately destroys the board game or storms off. Okay, in all fairness, I have to defend my family and say it's okay to be competitive and have <laughs> and have a little passion for the game. I mean, if you don't care, why are you playing anyway? True. Okay. <laughs> Some of us approach games a little bit differently. So today we revisited Paw Patrol Uno and I was on Harry's team, our third born, the preschooler, and then Walt, the first grader, and Jane, the second grader were playing. And then Philip was also at the table keeping Dorothy occupied with another deck of cards. So it was really just me and the three older kids playing and how would you say it went from your perspective impressively well with no temper tantrums no extremes of emotion i think philip and i have gotten to the point where every time we get out a game we kind of brace ourselves and we're holding our breaths waiting for someone to have a meltdown or as he put it earlier to destroy the game just (laughs) launch the cards all over the place And start freaking out, but no one raised their voice, ourselves included. Mm -hmm. No one ended the game by crying. Everyone was very pleasant. I will say Walt was the winner, so maybe we need to to play again. But when he had setbacks, he didn't lose it. He took them gracefully. Yeah, it was a longer game where both Harry and Jane had had a chance where they had both declared Uno and it looked like it was not going to go in Walt's favor. But he responded really gracefully in those moments and did not get angry. So we're considering this a really big milestone at our house that we had the second grader, first grader and preschooler play a game. We had one clear definitive winner and no one ended it by crying. Would you call that a win? I would call that a huge win for us. Um, And I wanted to rattle off a couple of our other favorite games that we've been doing with the kids. What's the game that you've been playing with Jane? Um, it's a it's called No Stress Chess. It's a game that teaches kids how to play chess um, by reminding them of what all the um, different um, players' moves can be. 
And I've never really played chess, but I've seen you and Jane play this before. And the way I understand it is there's a deck of cards and you have to, your next move is whatever the deck of cards tells you. Right. You draw and it'll say like bishop and then it reminds you that a bishop can move diagonally. And so then you have to move your bishop um, and you just go back and forth playing that way. And Jane has really enjoyed it. And I know that our school's junior high has a chess club and that it's gotten pretty popular. And I know Jane would be really interested in participating. Do you know of any chess clubs or places nearby where your kids live and what kind of a following do they have? Because it seems like chess has gotten to have a big following in a lot of different pockets. Um, But I'm curious what ages seem to participate in those and how well attended they are. If you have any feedback on that, send it our way. Um, Another favorite game of ours, which has been successful because is this one a team one where you have to do it together? The sneaky, snacky squirrel? I think it's individuals. Oh, I'm thinking of the um, Richard Scarry, the magnifying glass, when you have a big board laid out. I don't remember how that one... I remember that game, but I don't remember the specifics. I think that one is teams. Or it's like everybody wins. Isn't it called I Found It, E-Y-E, with the magnifying glass? Perhaps. We haven't played it for a while. Clearly, we have abandoned games for a while (laughs) because... (laughs) of how negatively they've gone. <laughs> we have only recently been revisiting them, but after... Only as of today. Yeah. <laughs> In the last 24 hours, this is a new thing, so we're talking about it. Um, so maybe I'll circle back to this in a couple more episodes, but I'll include links to these different games that I included. What are your favorite games that you've played with your young kids? Send the names of them my way. You can email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com. All right, Philip, you ready to talk about Disney with young kids? Oh, yeah. Okay, so how we did Disney with young kids. I sent out a request on social media to see if anyone had any questions. So throughout our conversation, I'll throw in the questions that we got from listeners. The first question we had was from Jen. She said, well, first of all, let me back up. Philip and I went, was it just two weeks ago that we were in Disney World? Yeah, Holy over, Week over Easter, over Holy Week and Easter. So we left Wednesday of Holy Week. We got back Monday evening, Easter Monday. Correct. And um, so that's first things first. What time of year we were there? And our kids' ages are eight, six, four, and two. And Dorothy actually had her second birthday the day we left on Wednesday, March twenty eighth. So the first question we got was from listener Jen. She says, did you plan it all, plane tickets, hotel, etc., yourself, or did you go through a travel agent? What's your answer? We planned it all. I planned the majority of it. Yeah. So, Philip, how did you figure all of that out? First um, of all, how did you figure out the plane tickets? Fastest route there, fewest layovers which was Southwest for us. And Southwest, um, how do they do their seating? Do you want to get to the plane stuff a little bit later with how we did? Okay. What about the hotel? Um, We put in our requirements and we booked it so last minute that there were really no other choices. (laughs) So So that made it pretty easy. It made it pretty easy to, (laughs) to pick because there weren't any other choices that could accommodate our size of family. Yeah. Over Easter when it's so busy. And let's also set the context of our experience with traveling with kids. Had we ever traveled on an airplane before with any of our children? We've never even left a contiguous state with our children. So (laughs) no airplanes, minimal car rides. Yeah, the farthest we've ever gone with our kids was to Colorado last summer. Right. And they did well in the car, but they had never had any sort of experience with air travel or a long full day. Of travel, So we had no idea how they would respond to all of this. But Philip took care of all of the travel arrangements. Let's talk about our luggage. I got a lot of questions about our luggage from listeners who saw me post a picture of us in the airport on the day that we left 
give your best infomercial for our luggage, which we're in love with. And by the way, we're not getting paid for this. Um, the luggage is from a company called Away, and we bought them for our kids for Christmas. We were able to fit all of the stuff that we took to Disney within that luggage, so we didn't have to check any bags on the way. I crammed every single item of their clothing into two suitcases between the four kids so that then we had room to pack all of the extra stuff. And the nice thing was, too, we were able to ship things down ahead of time to the hotel so that we didn't have to carry on a bunch of diapers and our sound machine and a jar of peanut butter and other random stuff that we wanted to have in our hotel room but that we didn't really need to take on an airplane with us. Each of the kids had their own carry-on, and then you and I had our own carry-on. The luggage was well-sized for our children so that they could push them themselves for the most part around the airport terminal. And then if we... We didn't have this experience, but if we had gotten to a point where, heaven forbid, everyone's tablets were low on battery, they have a nice battery packet charger where you can charge. Built into the luggage, so you can charge that and then charge your tablet off of it. Yeah, so that was awesome. And like Philip said, we were able to mail stuff ahead of time down to the hotel where we were staying. And when did we present the kids with their luggage? For Christmas, it was their final and big present was the luggage, which then was filled with some like Disney attire for them as a way to tell them on Christmas that we're going to Disney World. They were so enamored by the luggage itself and zipping and unzipping it that not only did they get the message, they, not only did they miss the message that it was a symbol of our upcoming trip to Disney World, but when we told them we were going to Disney World, they were still much more interested in exploring the luggage than actually acknowledging that we were taking them to Disney World. Yeah, I had to say, kids, and we're videotaping all of this, of course. Kids, kids, do you know what all of this means? What kind of clothes are in all of your suitcases? We've got pictures of Mickey Mouse. So what do you think that means? Where are we going? Oh, are we going to Disney World? And Harry says, are we going today? And I said, no. And then he was not at all excited after that and then just moved on. All right, let's talk about getting on the airplane. We have a question from listener Dave. He says, and I love this. <laughs> Obviously, what sedatives were used on the children for the plane ride? Seriously, what did you bring along to keep them occupied in airports and on planes? How did you divide responsibilities between the two of you going, coming, during? Take it away, Philip. The main sedatives were Netflix and Amazon Prime. <laughs> we had tablets for all four of them. They never get their tablets otherwise. They just sit on the shelf and have dead batteries. But for trips, we charge them up and fill them with some games and videos for them to watch. And that worked pretty well to keep them sedate on the airplanes. What are the names of some of the apps? Preschool Monkey Lunchbox. Monkey Preschool Lunchbox. Monk, sorry. See, I don't know. Um, all the Angry Birds ones. Star Wars Angry Birds. And then they each had their own cushy headphones that they could use for the yes. airplane ride because we didn't want to be those people with the full volume tablets playing games or videos the whole time. What are the headphones called? Where did we find those? They were all on Amazon, right? Just kids... Gets headphones on Amazon. <laughs> Sometimes the questions you ask. Okay, next. <laughs> we also <laughs> we also had plenty of Twizzlers and gummy bears for them to snack on. Dorothy spilled her goldfish all over the floor about a dozen times. And we split it up so both, all of our airline flights, um, it was three on one side, three on the other. So I sat with Walt and Dorothy and Catherine sat with Jane and Harry through all of our flights. It actually, there was a little bit of a Harry moment when we went to get on our second leg from Chicago to Orlando 
and they wouldn't let Dorothy on the plane because she didn't have an airline ticket. And we had gotten from Omaha to Chicago without a ticket for her because nobody was paying attention, I guess, to Dorothy. Well, hold on, because the rule is the kid doesn't need a ticket until they turn two. And when you bought the tickets... She wasn't two yet, but then she we, we traveled on her birthday, so she was two then. And they said, we can't let her onto the plane without a ticket. And so they had already taken everyone else's tickets, and I took all four kids and got them and their bags on the airplane while Catherine ran to the ticket counter to purchase a ticket for Dorothy. Yeah, so I had to deplane, deboard, and stand there, and they had to figure out a way to get a ticket printed for Dorothy, and everyone is sitting on the runway waiting for me. I had to be that person, so it was horrible to get on the plane with everyone looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't even have Dorothy in tow to be, like, pointing at her. It's her fault, like diaper situation or something like that. But yeah, but we got her on and it was actually awesome that we had gotten her her own ticket so that she could have her own seat because she was much happier doing that instead of sitting on someone's lap. She's Miss Independent. Yeah, she wanted to sit in her own seat and wouldn't let me hold her when she didn't have her seat. So we were glad in the end to have a ticket and a seat for her. And Southwest does the open seating for general boarding, but they also have family priority seating because we had children, what's the age cutoff? Under six. If you have children, I think it was under age six, you could board before everyone else. So that was nice because we never had a flight where we had to be separated. We were always able to have one parent with two kids. So that was nice. Um, And then let's talk about When we got to the hotel, how we did the sleeping arrangements. Do you want to tell people where we stayed, first of all? We stayed at the Bay Lake Tower, which is a part of the Contemporary Resort. And we had picked that one mostly because it's uh, attached to the monorail. The monorail actually goes through the Contemporary Hotel. Um, And the nice thing about that is you can hop on the monorail. It takes you right to the Magic Kingdom. And then when it's time to go, you can just hop right back on the monorail and go back. So it worked out well for us to be close to the Magic Kingdom on the monorail so that we could easily get back for nap time. So the Contemporary Resort has the monorail that goes through it. And then the Bay Lake, what's it called? Tower? Bay Lake Tower is attached to the Contemporary Resort through a walkway. So it's all very close. And it was easy, but the Bay Lake Tower, I thought, was much quieter than the Contemporary Resort, and I'm glad that we were staying there instead of at the Contemporary. And our room was perfect for our family setup. We had, you walk in, and there's a hallway with a small laundry room off to the side and a full bathroom, and then there is also a full kitchen in there with a large eating area that could accommodate our whole family, and then a living area with a pull-out couch, and then there was also a pull-out chair, and we had gotten a pack-and-play for Dorothy. So the three older kids had a bed out in the living room, and then Dorothy had the pack-and-play. And then in the bedroom, there was, was it a king? King-size bed? A king-size bed, and then there was another bathroom back there. So lots of living space, room for everyone to be spread out. It wasn't claustrophobic, and it was easy for us to get the living room back in order so that we couldn't, we could enjoy just relaxing in there during the day. Um, but I'd say at home, how would you describe our attitude toward bedtime routine? We're pretty militant at home with. Everyone goes to bed at 7.30. Everyone stays in their own beds and sleeps in their own beds at night. And so how did we approach things on the trip? Uh, I think our original hope was to be just as militant, but it quickly went out the window just because of the new environment. And it was almost all just Harry who didn't want to rest and was up and taking advantage of the fact that he was actually in bed with Walter and bothering him and climbing out of bed. So things went a little bit south in terms of our normal sleep. 
habits, but I laid out there until Harry fell asleep and we had a noise machine like we do at home, which was helpful. Uh, and then I came in after the kids had gone to sleep. Then I came back and hung out with you until bedtime. Tell them about the groceries. So I learned just days before the trip that you can order groceries from a private grocer who delivers them to the hotel. So I was able to put the order in before we left for groceries so that we could have breakfast in the room and make the usual kids breakfast with eggs and toast and bananas and have milk for them and sandwich stuff and snacks so that we weren't constantly running to restaurants or convenience store on the property to get food and snacks. And so that worked out perfect. And we also ordered a stroller in advance, which was nice to have in the room so that we could use it to walk to the parks. And it was nicer than the ones that the parks offered for rental. Let's circle back to the groceries. Do you remember the name of the grocery? Garden Grocer. Okay. And you just went on the website to order the groceries and then they delivered it to our room, right? Correct. And then talk more about the stroller. This thing was sweet. And I would say that this was probably the most important thing that saved our trip because we did not have to bring a stroller with us and haul that through the airport all the way. Right. So there's a bunch of private stroller rental companies that deliver the strollers to the Disney hotels. And so we got a double stroller that's essentially exactly like our home double stroller. Which is a... Um, double bob stroller. So it was able to accommodate Harry and Dorothy and then Walter could actually sit on the little place where Harry and Dorothy would put their feet because he is... His nickname is Walturtle. He's a little lacking in resilience and stamina. Um, so Especially in a humid tropical climate like Florida. <laughs> warm weather, tired, doesn't, doesn't sit well with him. So he was able to camp on the footrest area of their stroller and get a ride to, which made it much easier for us to get out of the park when it was nap time. Do you remember the name of the stroller company? No. Okay. Well, if Philip can find the name of it, I'll put that in the show notes. So we would have breakfast in the room so that we could get out reasonably early because we knew not only would it be cooler early in the morning at the parks, but it would be less crowded. So it was our plan to try and get out as early as possible in the morning. And we also discovered our favorite new brand of spray on sunblock. It's the Coppertone Babies Mist Spray. And it's not only did it smell really good, but it went on really smooth and almost like lotion. And our kids are obsessed with putting lotion on because unfortunately (laughs) they all battle eczema like their mom and dad. So the sunblock that they did not dread putting on was awesome for our pale skin. At Disney World, that was another thing that we loved. So we would have breakfast in the room, and then a couple times we took a lift for transportation getting around. But because we were so close to the monorail, what what are all the parks that the monorail goes to? It goes to Epcot and the Magic Kingdom. We only used it to get to the Magic Kingdom. But we went to the Magic Kingdom more than anywhere else just because it suits our kids' ages best. So it was always our goal to get out pretty early and then get on the monorail if we were going to a nearby park. Otherwise, we would take a lift, which was handy and really easy. But we learned pretty early on that we should have taught our kids what to do if we were to get separated. You want to tell the listeners what happened with the elevator with Jane? Our kids are obsessed with elevators and it's an eternal struggle as we approach an elevator who gets to push the button and we have to plan it out in advance who pushes the button to call the elevator versus who gets to push the button for the specific floor for the elevator to take us to. But the elevator was crowded and Jane got out to let somebody else out and then the elevator closed and we got down to the lobby and realized that Jane wasn't with us. And so Catherine got off and I rode back up to the floor that we had stopped on and she was... I got off with the other kids. Yeah. Catherine got off with the other kids and I rode back up to the floor that we had stopped on and she was just standing there waiting. But it was just luckier her 
smarts that she didn't wander off or hop on a different elevator and try and find us. Um, so it was a good lesson to us that we should teach them. If you are separated from your mom and dad, stay where you are or find somebody that's like your mom and dad, like a mom with kids and tell them I'm lost. Can you help me find my mom? And we reviewed ever since that moment in the trip, which I think was our first full day at the park that it happened, um, on our way to the park that it happened, that we said, okay, let's review hardcore over and over and over again. What's mom's cell phone number? And if you get separated from mom and dad, you stay put. And then if you don't find us after a minute or two, look for a mom with young kids like you guys and ask that mom if you can use her cell phone to call mom. Okay, so let's talk about how we arranged our days or how Philip arranged our days. <laughs> um, with the way the fast pass system works, you basically have to book which rides you want to go on months in advance from your actual visit. So, can you explain what a fast pass is for people who have no idea what you're talking about? A fast pass, well, it's actually called Fast Pass Plus now. Oh boy. Is actually a system where you book what time you want to show up for a ride. So, I want to ride the Seven Dwarves Mine Train in the Magic Kingdom at 9:30 a.m. on Thursday. And you put that into their system, get those fast passes in advance so that when it comes to Thursday at 9.30, you can show up, you skip the long line, you go straight basically to the front of the line and get to ride the ride without waiting 90 minutes or 120 minutes like those people that don't have a fast pass and have to just wade and truck through the entire line. And so it worked really nice for us to be able to just do that in advance we spent hardly any time the entire trip waiting in lines because we just used our fast passes. Everybody gets three fast passes each day, and then once you use those up, you can see if there's if there's additional ones available for what other rides you want to go on, but it makes you prioritize and pick which rides you want to go on. And how far out in advance can you book those? How many days? I think it's like 60 days before your trip. So our approach to that was basically just going to the park website for each of the different parks and choosing what are our three top picks mm -hmm. for that day. What are the ones that we absolutely hope to go on and will be sad if we don't get on? And we booked those the full 60 days in advance. Right. And you also have these, are they called magic bands? Yeah, the magic band is, is how you... You, I mean, that's what communicates that you have the fast pass. So you show up at the ride, you scan your wristband. Well, explain what it is. Because like I think you forget there are people outside of this whole world of Disney who have no idea what any of these terms mean. The magic band is like a little wristwatch that has a little radio frequency identifier inside it. So that when you show up to the ride, instead of pulling out tickets that you printed off or having them look up your name... You just put your wrist up to their little reader. It reads that you have a fast pass and lets you on. You can also use it to pay for stuff, and it's how you get into your hotel room, too. Yeah, so instead of having a hotel key, you just put your magic band up to your door. If it's a Disney resort, you put it up to your hotel door, and it lets you in. So we had planned the fast passes in advance, and... I think advice that I have for any couple that is going to Disney World is to make your plans and communicate them well, but be clear on the expectations of the decision making. So for us, Philip knows that I struggle with analysis paralysis. And if it had been up to me to decide which rides we were going on, I would have been paralyzed by having to weigh Oh, is the Seven Dwarves, I don't even know the names of these rides, the, <laughs> the Mine Train roller coaster better than the, what's another ride? Haunted Mansion. <laughs> the Haunted Mansion. Or, oh, are we really going to dread missing out on the Haunted Mansion? And I just would have been paralyzed with it. So I just said, Philip, I trust you implicitly to make all of the ride plans. 
And fortunately for me, Philip relishes planning all of this stuff. And he is Mr. Efficiency. And he loves being able to make those decisions and figure out, okay, where are we going to be in the park when? So that it makes the most sense for us to go on this one first, this one next, and then we're going to be close to this restaurant for the next meal and blah, blah, all of those things that stress me out and overwhelm me. But I think, and maybe you would agree with this, a few days into the park, it was obvious that tension was mounting between the two of us. And I think it was because you had done such a great job of the planning but weren't always doing a good job of communicating what the plan was to me that I was struggling to keep up with. Okay, now what's going on and where are we going and who's supposed to go where? Because there were times when different people would be going on different rides because of the height requirements. But you, I will say, and this is my advice to couples, decide who is making the decisions and maybe it's both of you for different things when it comes to either deciding on meals or the rides or hotel accommodations or whatever, but to be clear on who's making the decisions and then own the decision, support the decision maker, but make sure the decision maker is communicating what the plan is so that all of the adults can be on board and be ready. Do you have anything to add to that? I think it helped that you were maybe... I think it helped that maybe that you were a little blissfully unaware of all of the different options so that I, having done some research on it, could direct us to what everyone else has said are the must-see things for our age group. And so, like you were saying about analysis paralysis, just not getting too much information that then we have to decide what's best, but relying on essentially crowdsourcing our Disney trip and and using that information to decide what's best for our age group kids and what are the highest priorities for getting fast passes, what can we fill in and how much time we need for everything. And because honestly, we probably saw what 10% of everything we could have possibly seen at all of the different parks. And I think you and I went into it with very realistic expectations of this is how old our kids are. Eight, Mm -hmm. six, four, and two. They're not going to have a whole lot of stamina. We will take a midday nap every day and we're going to take breaks for meals. And so, of course, we're not going to get to every single thing and it's not going to be a one-time trip. Hopefully, another time down the road, we'll get to go back Mm -hmm. to Disney World when they're older. But we didn't have this marathon type mentality of every day we have to run them ragged to have a good Disney experience. And I think that brought a level of peace to each day. For sure. Yeah, that made it much easier to just say, we're going to get three rides in and then we're going to go take naps and then we'll go swimming or go back to the park, depending on how everyone's doing. If there's stuff that we're walking by that looks cool and there's not a long line, we can add that in if we have time, but we're not going to try and do everything. Or like we went to the Animal Kingdom and we didn't even... We only made it to the left side of the park. We only were in Pandora and Africa, and that was it. We didn't even see all the other lands of Animal Kingdom, and we'll just have to do that on another trip. And that's fine. Right. And the kids know nothing different, and they had just as great of a time, and they were fed and well-rested. Right. Which means everyone is much happier. There was something awesome about the meals that I loved that I didn't even realize was a possibility because with young kids, I was stressed out anticipating that, oh, we're going to have them saying all of a sudden they're really hungry and then there's going to be this huge line and we're going to be waiting for 45 minutes before we can get them any food. But tell the people about this amazing app that you found. What we did, we didn't really plan dining out ahead of time other than one breakfast with uh at bell's castle we didn't plan dining in advance because we didn't want our trip to be based around food and making reservation times and we probably could have done a little bit better job of that of doing that in advance of making sure that that we have some cool dining options because there wasn't a lot of options when we went to book reservations but the nice thing at the Each park is there's several places where you can order your food in advance through the Disney app. So we were able to order them like the morning as I'm riding the monorail, I was putting our lunch order in because I knew at 1130 we would have just gotten off 
is a small world and the Pinocchio's um, restaurant is right there and you could order the food in advance down to what everyone wanted to drink and everything like that. As you walk in the front door, you just push a button that says, I'm here, start my order. By the time we got seated and napkins and everything, our food was ready. And so then instead of having to wait in a line and try and keep everybody calm and then wait for our food, our food was already being prepared for us as we were getting settled down. And then it's ready right away. So it cut down on the time and we already knew what we were getting. So there was no discussing it or trying to figure out who's going to eat what um, or get what to drink. It was already pre-planned out and it worked out really slick. Like every time that we did it within two or three minutes of arriving at the restaurant, our food was ready for us. Yeah. And I think we were really cognizant throughout the whole trip of that whole acronym HALT. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, to make sure you're being proactive to take care of those primary needs right away so that it doesn't derail the trip. So if I found myself getting hangry or if someone was getting really impatient or tired, we were making sure that everyone continued to be fed, that we sought out shade if people were getting tired or just took a break from the rides or if it was getting close to nap time. Instead of pushing it and going on another ride, we just said, okay, let's take a break. Let's go back to the hotel. Everyone can have a nap and then we'll go back. And we took, what, hour and a half nap every day Yeah. back at the hotel. And that was, I think, necessary for us to continue on and to have a good day every day at the parks. And the other thing that I appreciated about Philip taking a leadership role with the decision making is... That allowed me to be in vacation mode because let's face it, a lot of times when we're back at home, I'm stay-at-home mom. I take care of the house stuff day-to-day and I, in a lot of ways, was still doing a lot of that with helping get everyone dressed and fed and everything else. And Philip always is so phenomenal about helping out in all of those different roles, but I was able to be in vacation mode because I wasn't making the day-to-day decisions that usually fall to me on a regular basis. And I was able to let him lead in that way because he likes that part of it. But then I was just in charge of making sure we had the right head count everywhere we went. No one was dropping a jacket wherever we, we were. And then Philip was able to lead and be in command that way and navigate us through the park and focus on that. And the better you did at communicating what the plan was, the easier the whole day was. It's important to keep in mind that if you do have young kids, that there are quite a few rides that have height restrictions. So you also have to keep in mind how many adults you have and the breakdown of the number of adults to the number of kids. Because there are some rides that require an adult for a child under a certain height and several rides where the child can't even get on the ride if they're not a certain height. So there were quite a few where I would stay back with Dorothy and keep her entertained walking around, checking out some areas. Um, Do you have any advice to add to that? No, I think it went pretty smooth because you weren't so obsessed with riding on a particular ride that you were fine saying, "Take take the big three on this ride and I'll play with Dorothy and we'll go check out Minnie Mouse or look at something. and Because um... I don't really care about the rides. I enjoy them. And I, I had only, prior to this trip, been to Disney World once. And I loved the Tower of Terror. And I really enjoy roller coasters and the spinning rides and all that stuff. But I didn't go on a single roller coaster <laughs> this whole trip. Because for me, it was more about just keeping the day peaceful. And so to me, if that meant me staying with Dorothy and keeping her entertained, which I felt confident doing since I'm with her on a regular basis, and then allowing Philip to really enjoy the rides and having more time with them since he's not with them as often on a day-to-day basis, I think that that went really well. But if one of you is a ride fanatic and is going to be heartbroken if you're not going to get to go on something, just plan accordingly and know that one of you is going to be missing out on some of these rides from time to time and to figure out who's going to do which ride so that there aren't any hurt feelings, or at least you can make a plan to come back another time soon. There is a 
a way to use your fast passes to get to go on a ride double so that each parent can enjoy it. But we didn't actually partake in that because Catherine didn't really care to go on the Star Wars ride or anything like that. But there is a system in place that I don't fully understand how it works where if one parent has to stay behind, you can swap and then go again on the ride with the kids so that both parents can get that experience if they want. Oh, okay. Good to know. See, I I didn't care enough to even realize that that was a thing. <laughs> For me, it was about just maximizing time and getting on to the next thing. We had a question from listener Casey. She wanted to know what our favorite ride was. What was your favorite ride? I liked the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train in the Magic Kingdom, which I did with the big kids because it was a fast roller coaster. And I wasn't sure how they would handle it, but they all handled it beautifully. Jane and Walt even sat in the very front of the roller coaster. Um, And I liked the safari in the Animal Kingdom because you got to see real-life African animals up close um, in their habitats, and the kids really liked to see the animals. Yeah, I would say the African safari in Animal Kingdom was my favorite experience, and Again, disclaimer, I didn't go on a lot of the big rides, so that's probably my favorite. My second favorite, since you already said that one, is it's not really a ride, but the Frozen sing-along was really cool. Oh, the kids loved that. And they had some snow that fell from the ceiling, and the performers I thought were really talented, but the part that blew me away, which I wish I could share the video of this, I tried, but it's cop- the music is copyrighted, so Facebook and Instagram won't let me share it. At Disney World, and especially on this ride or presentation, whatever you want to call it, in particular... They had sign language interpreters that I thought totally stole the show. They had they were <laughs> off to the front and the side. And I have these great videos of these sign language interpreters who had not only brought their facial expression and they were really into the performance, but they had choreographed and synchronized their movements. There was my favorite part was when the male and female sign language interpreters were doing the song Love is an Open Door <laughs> and the part where they're, uh, I'm thinking of the words, finish each other's sandwiches. That's mm-hmm. what I was going to say. And just going back and forth and how awesome that was and how they were able to bring magic to these young kids who are either deaf or hard of hearing. That was really cool. Um, let's see. Fireworks. I think a lot of people think that you have to do, to get your money's worth, stay at the park every night until the end and do the fireworks every night. How often did we see fireworks? We had, so the first night we just did normal bedtime because everyone was so tired from traveling. The second night we watched the Magic Kingdom fireworks from the hotel elevator lobby because... We could see the Magic Kingdom from the hotel elevator lobby, and so we didn't have sound or anything like that, but we got to see the fireworks that way, and they ate little um, cupcakes and stuff like that. From a high level. Right. The third night, we were at the Magic Kingdom, and we saw the fireworks. We we had gone back to the park after nap time and stayed for the fireworks show, and it was really cool, and that was the best fireworks show of the trip by far, and it was really neat the way that... They use the magic, uh, or Cinderella's castle as a projector screen, basically, and project all these amazing images and movies and um, storylines from the different Disney movies onto the castle with fireworks surrounding it. So that was really cool. And then the last night we went to the Hollywood Studios firework um, show, which was Star Wars themed. And the kids loved that one, too. So the, the best one was the Magic Kingdom one, but our kids loved the Star Wars one, too, because they're Star Wars fanatics. And we got to go to a Star Wars dessert party before the fireworks show, where we got to eat dessert and see Kylo Ren and Chewbacca and BB-8. And then we got, like, front row primo seats for the fireworks show. And I will say that I would recommend that fireworks show for older kids. It was pretty intense (laughs) and really dramatic music and lighting. But if you have a child who is really into Star Wars, I think it was a very impressive 
performance. But if I were a younger child, I probably would have been pretty freaked out. Yeah. Um, our very first night that we were there, we did our read aloud time ritual that we like to do with the kids before bedtime. And that helped to keep everyone feeling good about being away from home because they're still pretty young. But ending a long day of travel with having the book that we were reading aloud at the time, which was The Indian in the Cupboard, at the end of a long day was helpful in getting everyone to quiet down. And they were so tired all of the subsequent evenings that we didn't even try to do read aloud time after that. But to have that as an anchor at the end of that first day of travel was really a nice way to end the day. Yeah, they liked that and asked for that. And then the rest of the nights, like you said, they were just ready to pass out. Except for Harry, who has boundless energy at 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock central time, um, <laughs> despite a full day of Disney. Yeah. But the time of year that we went, since it was the end of March, beginning of April, it was beautiful weather. And I don't have a reference for the size of the crowds, but I'm told that Easter is one of the most crowded times of year. But I would say because the heat wasn't nearly as bad that it didn't feel... I don't enjoy crowds at all. And I'm really short. I'm 5'3". So I feel claustrophobic and stressed out, especially with a bunch of kids if I'm in a big crowd. But I didn't feel that it was nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Did you? It was busy, but it was less busy than I had expected it to be. And having the fast passes made it not feel so busy as far as the lines go. And our big stroller helped to to kind of push through the crowds. And <laughs> yeah. Catherine and Jane could stand behind me pushing the big stroller with the other three on it. So that kind of helped to park the crowds a little bit too. Yeah. It was like Philip was using the stroller to part the Red Sea in front of us. And Jane and I were like the Israelites following behind. <laughs> <laughs> So that was good. Um, But I will say, like I mentioned in a previous episode, it was really strange to be traveling during Holy Week and to be at the Magic Kingdom on Good Friday and to be fasting. And it was just really difficult to enter into the liturgical experience of Holy Week. So if we had to do it all over again, I don't think we would go over Holy Week. And I think from now on, we want to stay put during Holy Week. Yeah, or at least have something that's low-key where you can actually, like, think about it being Holy Week without having the distractions of Disney um, and wanting to maximize your Disney time during that time of the year. Yeah, because let's face it, when when you go to Disney World, you're spending a, a small fortune, so you want to make sure and maximize the Disney experience. So the thought of going to a really long, beautiful liturgical celebration that's going to take a good chunk of your day away, it it just is a conflicting situation you don't want to be a part of. Right. Because you don't want to feel that way when it's Holy Week. Right. We actually just um, talked to some of our friends that went on a nice relaxing getaway. They said they had gone to Arizona with the grandparents and great-grandparents, and they were there during Holy Week and loved the experience because the kids were totally in vacation mode, the parents were totally in vacation mode, and they were able to slow down, and they said that they went to more of the Holy Week liturgical celebrations than they would back home because they were in vacation mode, and the kids were better behaved because it was a new place. And they did better. So I thought that was an interesting take on it. Because I had initially said, oh, I don't think we'll ever travel again during Holy Week. But maybe if it was that type of vacation. Right, a low-key one. Yeah, that that would have gone over better. Um, and I would say also, our kids did much better than I, they th- than I thought they would because the weather was so cool. Mm-hmm. We were able to wear light jackets in the evenings. And in the mornings, it was pretty cool that we had to have jackets in the mornings as well. But by the time it was midday, we still had some good cloud cover. And it was raining one day. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it was cool enough that the kids were not nearly as tired as I think they would have been. Yeah. And how long were we there? Wednesday to Monday we night? flew on a... Our flying days were um, Wednesday to fly there and then Monday to fly home. So we were at the park for four days. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
And I think we went into it with the right expectations of realizing just because we're going to Disney World, our kids aren't going to all of a sudden become these perfect angelic cherubs who are grateful for every moment. And we, as parents, are not going to all of a sudden become endlessly patient and gentle and all of the things that we're not (laughs) on a regular basis (laughs) just because we're in Disney World. And I think... All of everyone's bad behavior just gets magnified because of the discomfort of travel. And it's it's a pressure, cush, pressure cooker situation. But I'd say all things considered, everyone did really well. Yeah. Would you say um, that you're glad that we went with the ages that our kids are? Definitely. I think that um, like Jane and Walt being eight and six still found it to be magical and they weren't over all of the the kid stuff, the magic, you know, they still really got out a lot of that and wanted to see the characters and really enjoyed the magic of it all. And Dorothy was old enough to see characters that she really liked and enjoy herself as well. I don't know if taking a kid under the age of two would probably be worth it because they'll just kind of be the one that everyone is trying to hold and pass off while you do experiences. So I'd say around two would be the youngest. Well, and I think a child that's younger than two, at least based on what our children have been like at those ages, is there's so much of a physical demand at that age and stage. Dorothy, I would say just in the last couple of months, had reached a place where she could wait those 15, 20 minutes for a meal Whereas a couple months ago, she wouldn't have been able to do that. And being in the pressure cooker situation of being in Disney World and having to wait those extra 10, 15 minutes would have felt unbearable Mm -hmm. a couple of months ago. And the stress that you feel as a family with four young children in Disney World, it felt like we were a walking circus because (laughs) there were few families that had that many children, Mm -hmm. which just cracks me up because here at our parish, it feels like we're rookies (laughs) with all of these other huge families around us. But yeah, we felt like a walking circus at times. And if we had had kids that were much younger than their current ages, it would have been much more physically demanding than it already was. Right. So I would say it was a great trip. I'm glad we went at the ages and stages that we did. We liked our hotel a lot. And I am so thankful to Philip for doing so much of the planning that he did in advance, because that made such a big difference to the whole family's experience. Philip, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Bye. Okay, so I got a lot of feedback from listeners about last week's episode on evangelizing at the dermatologist's office. It turns out several of you, unfortunately, are also struggling With hormonal acne, so solidarity, sisters, I'm sorry to hear that you're struggling with it as well. And four of you emailed me to say that your dermatologists have prescribed the same course of care. Philip, since you're sitting right here, how do I pronounce the name of my blood pressure medicine? Spironolactone. So four of you said that your dermatologists have also prescribed spironolactone. Thank you that blood pressure medication, and the topical cream called Axone. So I actually, this is ridiculous, have not started the blood pressure medication because it had a note on there that said that I wasn't supposed to drink alcohol with it. And so I had a chance to go out to eat and wanted to have a glass of wine (laughs) this weekend. So I decided I'm going to wait until Monday to start the medicine when I have a chance to ask my doctor about the medicine. Um, But I started the topical cream. Hopefully in a couple more weeks, I'll start to see a difference with my new medication. Um, I also wanted to share a prayer request. This is a really big week for our family. Our daughter, Jane, second grader, is going to be receiving her first Holy Communion on Saturday. And she has a retreat leading up to her first Holy Communion. So please keep Jane and all of her second grade classmates in your prayers as they get ready to receive the Eucharist this weekend. It's such a big deal. And I become such a big emotional mess 
every time any of our kids have received a sacrament. So I'm just so excited for her to get to participate and receive the Eucharist. And um, it's a really big deal. So please keep her and her classmates in your prayers. Also, I would just love to hear from you in general. Keep sending along your questions and your topic suggestions to me. You can email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com or find me on Facebook or Instagram. Also, thank you for continuing to rate and review the show on iTunes. That continues to get this show in front of as many listeners as possible. Until next time, don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard while we're folding.